Hello everybody and welcome to T.W.E.T. Episode 17. 17 guys. We're on episode 17. That's amazing. That we're going to do this every episode, aren't every we? Every single episode. Every it's, it's, single it's episode. So the, the last episode... Do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm more amazed that it's taken us this long yes. to do 17. Yes. <laughs> we really need to sort out our schedule or something. Really do. Um, I was just thinking that because the last one was on the 19th of October was the last podcast that we did. And uh, it's been a little while. But to be fair, there's been a lot going on. You know, there's been a lot yeah. going on in terms of the channel and, and everything like that. So The way I see it, we're better, we'll get better quality podcasts if we stick to doing them when they're relevant <laughs> yeah. rather than doing regular podcasts with nothing to say. Very yeah, true. that's true. Very true. And uh, I think, I don't quality think there was quantity. something <laughs> yes. that we can do uh, maybe once a month anyway. That gives us more than enough time. But you're right, quality needs to be... The main frame here for for me we, we anyway. need to have interesting topics to talk about that people are actually going to want to hear about that they may not have already heard about and i think this will absolutely be perfect for that this episode yeah this episode is going to yeah. be jam-packed indeed so I'm super looking forward to getting into it. We've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Game Awards, which was a massive, huge thing. Uh, we're also going to be talking about Cyberpunk. It's, well, <laughs> everything <laughs> Cyberpunk. <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as Cyberpunk comes in, that's going to be the rest of the episode. So we should probably start with a couple of interesting things from the Game Awards. For sure. That's why we're going to start with the Game Awards today. Oh, <laughs> Oh, oh, Jesus. All right. And we're starting <laughs> off strong. <laughs> oh, jeez. Right. Uh, so come on then, um, Roost. I'm going to let you lead on this one. All right, then. So the we're not going to cover everything the Game Awards had to show because there was quite a lot, some of them bigger than others. Um, for example, there's the horrifying, horrifying moment that Elden Ring won most anticipated game, and we got sweet fuck all. Um, I think that's hilarious. Oh, that just that just, oh, oh, that makes me so salty. But yeah, Get wrecked. Oh, <laughs> we'll move on from that. I'm not mad. You're mad. No mad. But uh... they... There are a couple of games that I wanted to bring attention to because they're either something that was particularly interesting or things that we've mentioned in the past that we finally had revealed. So first of all, Back for Blood, I want to talk about because it's, made, it's made by the Left 4 Dead devs. It's literally Left 4 Dead 3, but legally. <laughs> because obviously the studio that's currently making Back for Blood doesn't have the Left 4 Dead rights. Valve do. But the the intellectual properties, the intellectual ideas of things aren't owned by Valve. So they've gone down the, the very sort of borderline clever route of it's got a very similar name, a very similar setup. The zombies in the game are almost identical with minus minor like changes for example yes they still have the guy with one small arm one big arm only instead of looking like a guy who jacked off a lot he is now a giant like he is huge in general and it looks a little bit more like the small arm was the only thing that didn't mutate so instead of looking like some weird scrawny arm it just looks like a normal arm but like you know what that is you know it's the same zombie but different and bigger. And the basically the, the Boomer variant is like this huge, almost car-sized monstrosity, and he goes boom. So it's like, yeah, they, they're really pushing the boundaries of what's like, we're not quite encroaching on Valve's property, but we invent we designed these monsters, so fuck you. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that's fair. I mean let's face yeah. so, so what you're basically saying is it's left for dead but times a hundred. <laughs> it's yeah. Well as they were saying in their announcement, they were saying um they wanted to go bigger, they wanted to go better. And the the, the whole focus of the development was left for dead but bigger. Everything you can think of, bigger. 
So um, it looks really good. It's made in, I believe, Unreal Engine 4. I might be wrong about that, but I know it's not made on Source. So the gunplay, the the graphical look of it, it, like, it doesn't have that Source look, which was a, it, it took me aback, uh, like took me back a little bit. I was a bit like, it's weird to see such a Left 4 Dead looking game not look like Left 4 Dead. But then the more you look at it, the more you start appreciating like, okay, this Left 4 Dead could look really cool. Sorry, Back for Blood, I should say. We all know most people are going to call it Left 4 Dead 3, which is going to be a bit sketchy if Left 4 Dead 3 comes out. <laughs> well, there'll be Left 4 Dead 3 and then the fake Left 4 Dead 3, you know, one by but yeah, exactly. Like you'll have Left 4 Dead from Wish, which yeah. is the powerful one, unfortunately. <laughs> which is the real license one, unfortunately. Yeah, but no, I I've signed up for the alpha, uh, which starts today, but I haven't got in yet. But it it looks interesting. I, I definitely feel like they stayed true to this idea of going bigger. There seemed like there was a lot more like devastating like destruction by the zombies. There was a lot more like getting into tighter spaces and having giant ass zombies rip the fencing out so that it can chase you. Uh, which it just it looks really interesting. It's been a while since we've had a good Left 4 Dead style four player co op just shoot the shit out of hundreds of zombies thing. Do, do you think and it's it going to follow the same kind of pattern as that episodic journey that it had? You know, because Left 4 Dead had like it, four separate journeys I with different got characters. the impression that it possibly could but that wasn't necessarily something that was very clearly shown yeah but i i get the impression yes because even the so you know the safe rooms yes like this is what i mean by borderline the safe rooms looked virtually identical the doors looked like almost carbon copy ripoffs of like ripoffs not really the right term they they owned it they made it like it's it's their game <laughs> but like it looks like someone has made left for dead in unreal as like a youtube student project like it looks like left for dead simply put i think it's going to follow all the same tropes everything the design looks the same <laughs> the concept looks the same it is left for dead but it's not it's back I'm for just, blood i'm just waiting for the memes of the um can i copy your homework bro memes to come out yeah oh 100 it's gonna happen you just know it's gonna happen it's just, just change it up a I bit so it doesn't it. look like you yeah. copied yeah, bro exactly. how do you get higher marks than me <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's gonna be it's gonna be the copied uh, homework but the kid who copied got better marks yeah straight up uh Leechy, what you, what's your take on this i know that you're a you are a huge left 4 dead fan uh, I wouldn't say so much Left 4 Dead fan. Oh, okay, you played uh, it a lot. <laughs> f fuck off, you're a Left 4 Dead fan. You played it way too much to not be called a fan. Whether you whether you regret the hours you put into that game is irrelevant. You are a Left 4 Dead fan. Don't try and worm out of this one. I mean, I really wanted that Avatar item, so I did kill 10,000 zombies in two days. You did. In two days? Yeah, it didn't take me long. Wow. <laughs> I played that game for so many hours. He hoard the shit out of it. Which I is why, just, whether I, you regret it or not. The, uh, the first, the first like, campaign or whatever. It had this one that over and over. with a huge horde that you could just blitz down for ages. For... I, I think it's going to be an interesting one for our Discord group because there's not a whole lot of games these days that we all sort of get together and play and most of them are things more like squad there's not really like you know it's like team multiplayer is not like yeah. co-op games yeah i definitely think back for blood might be an interesting game where we can get quite a few people from the discord on and we can have some pretty good back back for blood sessions going i think it'll be a very interesting co-op game for us as long as the gunplay feels nice yeah i fully fully expect this to be a successful game well, it all comes down to, to the gunplay i feel if the gunplay feels shit then the game just isn't going to be enjoyable to play but the look of the hordes of zombies and things like that as long as the gunplay is good i i feel like it could be successful yeah we just gotta wait and see on on that front and and see what comes out of it really because it seems like like you said you know they're, they're using similar design techniques let's call them that um, so they've got the kind of the base game and what they want out of it, and that's a really great step. So hopefully yes. it's just a 
a more of a, a an Unreal Engine refinement on the game itself with better improved graphics, uh, maybe a, a better story. I know there was a very kind of loose story of how these people, the four people kind of got together and, and how they interact and so on. So it's going to be interesting to see, for yes. sure, um, what that kind of has to offer. But what... Let's move on to something else from the Game Awards. Anything else that you guys, you guys kind of want to talk so, about or anything like that? There's another one I just want to briefly sort of skate over because it may not necessarily be something that everyone's sort of interested in. But there was a something in the trailer that piqued my interest about it. So we got teased dra- a new Dragon Age game a while back, I believe, um, at like the replacement for E3 event that Jeff Keighley did the Summer Games Festival or whatever it was. And then at the Game Awards, we got the actual like Dragon Age 4 sort of teaser, the announcement trailer almost. But there was a, a specific aspect of it that interested me because in the previous three games, your character, although customizable, has always been this like predefined hero. In the first game, you become the Grey Warden the Grey Wardens all basically get wiped out and you are the legendary Grey Warden throughout the rest of the game, basically. Everybody just knows you as the Grey Warden. Um, So you're a predefined hero. Uh, In Dragon Age 2, you play as Hawk. You you can't even change the last name um, of that character. Yeah, you can customize them and make them however you want, but you are playing the story of Hawk. Uh, three, uh, I believe uh, Rebak uh, pointed out to me earlier that you play as the Inquisitor. Yeah. Again, customizable character, but you are a predetermined character, just like in Skyrim, where you are the Dragonborn. Uh, you, you know, there's a special thing about your character. Now, the the Dragon Age Four trailer kept emphasizing and reiterating, like be yourself be your own character create you know create your own character there was a lot of emphasis i felt in the wording that was heavily implying that this may be the first dragon age game where you're not someone special you're not someone predefined you are just like in say oblivion a regular dude you're you're a nobody you're a standard adventurer who gets thrust into the events of the game and becomes someone important you're not by default someone important in oblivion you are nobody he says he's seen you in his dreams but you're nobody you get given the amulet of kings you become the hero of kavach because you happen to be going there to look for martin and it was under siege you saved the day that day incidentally if you don't follow the main storyline in oblivion you continue to be nobody. If you never go and save Kavach, no one will ever call you the hero of Kavach. If you save Kavach, suddenly people start going, hey, I know you, you're the hero of Kavach. Whereas Skyrim, you will always be the Dragonborn. There's not really a way to not be the Dragonborn. Um, and it feels like that Dragon Age 4 might be going for that idea that you'll be creating this almost nobody character with whatever kind of backstory you want to give them and you just happen to be stumbling through the events of the the game and becoming a hero which i think is just it's an interesting take because it's the first time for basically any bioware game if you think about both dragon age and mass effect they're two biggest things you're all you've always been someone predefined you've been able to customize what shepherd looks like but you've always been shepherd even in andromeda you are Ryder. You know, you're someone special. Which isn't the best for RPGs. People tend not to have RPGs where it's all predefined. So I think it could could go interesting to see Dragon Age, see a, a Bioware game where they've really... It, it seems like they might be going more for player agency and, you know, be whoever the fuck you want. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be probably a really good way to go about it. I think that's something that a lot of people did also enjoy about the likes of Oblivion, as you said. You know, it's a it's another reason why people enjoy games like Baldur's Gate and, and stuff like that. Yes. It's something where you can create your own character and, you know, you can build your own backstory to that character and, and really kind of focus in for that character. And um, backstory and stuff like that and character development and character 
creation and all of that good stuff is a point that I definitely want to talk about later, but that's going to be when we get to the main event. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some things to say about it for sure. Um, but we'll, we'll get there when we get there. But no, I completely agree with you. If they manage to pull it off, it'll be interesting. Um, and I do want to have a point where you create your character, you you know, you predefine your own character's backstory and how they got to where they are at this current stage. And I don't think enough games do it. And I think they don't do it because it's very hard to tailor a story around an anybody. It's much easier to tailor a story to a somebody. Yeah. So that's interesting. And, you know, Dragon Age isn't one of my favorite games ever, but they make some fantastic games. They, they're they brilliant in how they create the um, Dragon Age series. And and uh, we'll have to just wait and see what happens and what comes off the back of it. Because as we know, Bioware is... Uh... Yeah, let, let's, let's hope, let's pray for some Bioware glory days. And, uh, you know, we've got Dragon Age 4, which we're hoping can be good. And we'll get on to the interesting Mass Effect news yes. soon as well. Yes. Uh, but there's uh, quite a bit to talk about with that one, so we'll move on and come back to that in a moment. Because uh, another thing I wanted to draw people's attention to, which was interesting, was Crimson Desert. Mm-hmm. Now, Crimson Desert is one of the very few games coming out of, um, I believe, South Korea. So South Korea has very recently been delving into the game development scene. They've never really played a big role in game development. But there's a couple of projects this year that we've seen coming out of South Korea. And in particular, dear God, they seem to be doing things with graphics that no one has ever done before. Um, There's an RPG that I think I've seen development of, which just looks ridiculous. And then Crimson Desert is a like a open world MMO kind of game. And Again, it just it looks unbelievably phenomenally good, like graphically, and just the world looks like something absolutely incredibly special. And I think we're going to see some interesting games out of just simply put Korean efficiency. I'm sure people have heard of heard the term Korean efficiency in the past. Like they are very very efficient in their business model in South Korea. So to see some game development studios sprouting up in a culture with such an efficient business model, we could see some interesting things coming out of South Korea soon, I think. Crimson Desert being one of them. Really exciting. Because, I mean, when, when you look at these kind of advancements in technology, it's just full stop. Whether or not that's an advancement of graphical technology or anything along those lines, it paves the way for other people to move. and. Yes. The the whole point of trying to better each other actually improves the industry. And, you know, we're, we're all big fans of the industry here, and, and especially on this podcast. I mean, we've all said that adva- the advancement of technology will always be great for the industry because it lets people open more doors and think of new ways to create new things and, um, you know, try new things, which I think this year... Maybe not so much. There are some games this year that have come out that have tried new things, whether or not they've been successful or not. Um, but overall, trying these new things is the only way to advance that technology. And if South Korea is going to pave the way for better graphical advancement and even down to better storytelling and just a better game full stop, then that's going to make the big hitters like you know, your EAs, your um, all of those massive game studios sit there and just go, fuck we need to be doing this and going on from there so we i'm excited to see what happens and what comes out of south korea i really am yeah uh so another thing i wanted to talk about just because there's a really interesting connection i suppose which i don't personally understand so the callisto protocol uh looks like a very interesting sort of dead space spiritual successor kind of game by the developers of Dead Space. It looked like it's very much like its own kind of thing, but there was a hint of Dead Space to it, and it's made by the developers. It looks like a really interesting game, but for some incredibly unknown reason, it's based in the PUBG universe, centuries later. 
What? No idea why. Uh, no one's really certain why. But it, it, it takes place a couple of centuries after the events of PUBG. But yeah, it's based in the PUBG universe for some reason. I, literally, that was my exact reaction as well. <laughs> when, like, before you joined the call, me and Roos were talking about it, and I was just sat there going, Why? Like, why? What, what, why? <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's nothing there. There's no law, like no proper law there. What? The, what? <laughs> Why? Yeah. yeah. What are they gonna do? Sit there in prison and talk about their ancestors who got dropped onto an island and had to parachute out of a massive plane? Great. Um, I, I, I just don't know. Uh, it's an interesting one and how they try to kind of weave that in, I guess, to to this universe. But yeah, when you told me that, I just. Hadn't yeah. It, like, what? <laughs> Why? I I know I know. It it just feels like it really really doesn't need this no. PUBG connection. I feel like there's gonna be like some kind of story connection, but it it just feels like the story connection is gonna be there because it takes place in the PUBG universe, not <laughs> yeah. it takes place in the PUBG universe because of the story connection. I just don't, I <laughs> like... just don't understand. And, and it might just be me being really ignorant. I have no idea. But um, there's no story from PUBG that I know of. There's no law. <laughs> there's no... I believe there is some law to PUBG, maybe, but like, maybe it's like not a... exactly the focus of the no, game. It's not. It's negligible at best. And PUBG yeah. is not a story-driven game. Like There is law behind it, but it's not the focus. And I like. Don't get me wrong. I believe the development team behind the Callisto Protocol has ties to the PUBG development team. I might. I think it might be some kind of subsidiary. Yeah. But it still just kind of feels yeah, like it's, it's based in the universe for the sake of being based in the universe. Yeah. It's like it's like saying something like um, I don't know. I'm just going to use this as, as an example. Like, oh yeah, Cyberpunk 2077 was based off of. The Daisy universe, right? What? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, what? Why? why? Oh, well, you know, just <laughs> that's because... not true, guys. That's not true. Like, it's, it's completely it's... based off of a tabletop, and I've I've read some of the background lore, and it's actually Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven lore is really interesting. But that's the kind of example that it is. Is there's just no. I can't see any tangible point in sitting there and it's, saying it's based on the PUBG like universe. The pe it's like the people that genuinely try to come up with theories as to how the Dragon Age games are based on a planet that exists in the Mass Effect universe, but like thousands of years beforehand. Yes. And it's not it's not Earth, like it's on its own planet, but it, it's all in the... It's like, why? Like... Yeah, they're made by the same guys, but you don't need to tie their universes. It's okay for games to have separate universes. Yes, games with universe tie-ins. For example, um, Doom and Wolfenstein, and you know the whole connection between Doom Guy and BJ Blazkowicz and all, things like that. Like you know, yeah, they're kind of cool. And like when you delve into that lore, and you're like, oh, that's really interesting. That's kind of cool. I like that. But that's been done tactfully well, and it kind of fits, and it's kind of cool. Not every game series that has some kind of connection needs to be based in this one universe and like tie these things in. It's a, we'll have to see. It looks like a good game. It looks like an interesting game. I just don't understand the choice. Did you hear about the theory of Doom was in the universe of Zelda, the Legend of Zelda <laughs> games? What did you ever hear that? That was a no. I've not oh, heard that. That was one. a brilliant one. So they were saying that Doom Guy is essentially Link. Oh my god! And he's um... <laughs> BJ Blazkowicz's fucking ancestor. No, the other way around. BJ Blazkowicz is His Doom ancestor. Guy's ancestor. Yeah, like. but he was essentially like a Link. That's um, yeah, because <laughs> he's like he wears the green armor and. He's like a super soldier. And <laughs> he, it was he wears actually, green armor. There's a lot more to it, um, and it was really interesting. Oh, fucking, but I guys, was reading it, guys, and it was so funny. Spoiler alert, Master Chief is Link. Yeah. <laughs> Master Chief actually yeah. says something. <laughs> Link never talks. <laughs> but yeah, I remember reading it ages ago, and oh, that was that was a lot of fun, reading that. That's, that's a good fun um, article if you managed to find it. Theories of tie-ins and actual tie-ins for the sake of it. Yeah. Just oh, sometimes they're really forced, funny. and you're just like, uh, <laughs> yeah. 
And this is what it feels like. It feels like a a fan theory. Thing. Yeah, like like you you hear about game universes being tied in, and a lot of the time it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. But this one, everyone's reaction is, but why? <laughs> I th- yeah, why? Please. <laughs> but why? Why? <laughs> like, <laughs> why? <laughs> why? Uh... So. <laughs> Moving on to something that's a little less but why and a lot more holy shit, that's cool. I've previously mentioned The Initiative, the studio that was founded, the brand new studio that was founded by Microsoft, uh, like Xbox Game Studios, and was being dubbed the first quad A studio just because of how much has been poured into this big secret mystery project that they've been working on. And at the Game Awards, we finally found out what that mystery project was. And it turns out the rumors were correct. They are indeed rebooting Perfect Dark. And it looks fucking amazing. The, the trailer, I mean, the, the trailer itself was cinematic. I only watched it about half an hour ago. It, yeah, now. it um, is a cinematic trailer. Completely so cinematic. But it, it's an interesting take that they're going to go with it. And I'm I'm interested to see how they do it but I'm skeptical because it's only a cinematic trailer at this stage. I need to see yeah, tangible like, gameplay. We need to see gameplay. Yeah. But there's been a surprising amount of interest and hype around the game, even when we knew nothing about it. So to find out that it is this pretty damn big IP, like, yeah, Perfect Dark hasn't seen loads and loads of games, but it's been like 15 years since we had a game and they're pretty highly regarded. Yeah. Like. They weren't flops by any means. Like they were pretty highly regarded games. So to see this, so reboot is an odd term because I believe it's technically a continuation. It seems to be taking place after the events of the previous Perfect Dark game. So it's more of a like a reboot in the sense of they're starting it up again, yeah. not starting from scratch. So I, I believe the events of the previous games will have happened in the new game. Um, but it's being dubbed an eco sci-fi because unlike something like cyberpunk, which we will get to being all, you know, this sort of neon, very punky futuristic, and then a quite a common futuristic take is very high tech, very sort of roboty sci-fi and uh, all apocalyptic sci-fi. This is very much on the side of corporations making a better world, like a utopia, a very lush green land. And like when you think of sort of almost like mini forests on top of skyscrapers and things like that. So it's setting up this idea of interesting topics on global warming and how, because there's in the universe, there's been a lot of flooding a lot of fires, a lot of storms that has ravaged the world, but you're not living in a ravaged world. You're living in this world that these corporations have managed to salvage and turn into this big utopia, like beautiful place to live. But there's obviously there's something that there seems like the story of the game is going to be based around. There's something a bit dark. There's some kind of cost to these utopias the corporations are sort of building. And then there's the tie-in of the original Perfect Darks had very ha- heavy um, alien influence. Yeah. Now, we didn't see any of that in this cinematic trailer, but you can bet your ass that the, there's going to be a lot of alien return. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on from what we know particularly about the studio, the initiative, and this... It's not a brand new IP. It's a predefined IP that people were quite excited to have a reboot about. It's definitely going to be something to keep an eye out for. Well, I mean, we've 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 been excited about the initiative for a little while. We've we've had a podcast uh, almost dedicated on the initiative and and you know speculation on it. So I mean, you know that we're going to be covering the initiative quite a lot. And um, yeah. Maybe it's an extra thing that you and I can collaborate on on a separate video and, and have a look and a deeper dive into the initiative itself and what the initiative, you know, have said and more speculation. So uh, that could be something for the future for you guys, definitely. Yep. Um, 
And then I think there was one more thing from the Game Awards that you wanted to discuss. The last thing is the Mass Effect uh, teaser we got. Yeah. So as we found out recently, we are getting a remaster of the original trilogy. We're getting a remaster of Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3, which is fantastic because I'm a huge fan of Mass Effect. And I know for a fact Leechy is as well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there was a lot of speculation because there was a lot of rumors and they almost all but confirmed it in an art book with these new artworks that there was going to be a new Mass Effect. Now, people weren't sure if this was going to be basically Andromeda 2 or not. But from the teaser trailer we got, it's looking a hell of a lot more like it might be Mass Effect 4 because the trailer gives off this very sort of sort of post-destruction yeah. feeling to it, like, you know, the downfall of the Reapers and the, the, you know, the end of Mass Effect 3. And what appears to be Liara appears to say, be... yeah, it's Liara. It, it looks a hell... A lot of people are basically set on it is Liara, which immediately rules out an Andromeda sequel. Because if Liara is in the trailer, then it has to be taking place just after the events of Mass Effect 3. Yeah, because it's got to be um, our galaxy. And she picks up out of the snow near what looks like a destroyed Reaper, um, a piece of N7 armor. She wipes the snow away from it. And the scene looks very, like, search and rescue So story could be that they're searching for Shepard, whether they're searching for his remains to see if he survived, or they go for a Mass Effect 2 style, bring him back. Uh, Some of the theories are that you may not necessarily play as um, Shepard, but Shepard may be pivotal to the story. So the story may be more focused around you being someone else and part of this team trying to recover Shepard's body or something like that. These are just speculations. It was a very short cinematic trailer, but there was definitely some hints and nods to it, which was interesting. Um, yeah, it, it will be interesting. I, I wonder, um, because of course, the I know you're going to talk about the ending, but um, the speculation of the ending is uh, another thing. They're most probably going to have to go off of one of the endings from the third game. And it yeah. sounds like from what we see from the trailer... The canonical ending was where you just destroy them because you got the three options. There was the option to make them peaceful, the option to destroy them, the and the option to merge synthetic and organic life together. And then the fourth option, which is shoot the kid and nothing happens. The cycle just continues. So it oh, looks yeah. like the destruction from what we saw there. Yeah, could it seems well like they might focus ending. that. So because the thing is as well is the artworks showed mass relays being built. But these mass relays had a very human-like design to them. So that kind of implies that the story, or at least what is happening throughout that the time period of this next game, is a kind of a recover and rebuild kind of thing. And it looks like humans might potentially be at the forefront of it. Which is kind of an interesting thing, considering in the previous games, humans have always sort of felt like they're being held back. It took ages for a human to actually be put on the council, obviously being Shepard. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot, particularly in the first game, there's a lot of this feeling of humanity isn't being given because they're essentially, they're like the babies of... Well, the, I, th- I, think, I think the entire story was revolved around the fact that humanity moved very, very quickly and... Um, it kind of scared the other council members. Yeah, the races we were like these babies that came out of nowhere. Yeah, and, then and just moved very quickly. We just raced to the top very, very quickly, and it kind of terrified them. So why we didn't? Have, there wasn't a human specter until Shepard, the first human specter, actually came about because yes, human races were not allowed um, that level of you know authority. Authority, suppose, yeah, like... within the council uh, itself and within the within the and galaxy. So... It would be very interesting if after the events of the first three games and almost like humanity, particularly with the story of Shepard proving themselves um, and and really sort of pulling to the forefront, it'd be very interesting to see if Mass Effect 4's story could heavily revolve around humanity playing a very key role in this rebuild, yeah. recover sort of concept. Because like I said, we saw these mass relays and 
all I could think of when I was looking at these relays was like, they look human. Yeah. They look like humans making mass relays, which is rather interesting. And I think that was it from Game Awards, really. There's a lot of interesting yeah. stuff going on uh, across the Game Awards. And, you know, it's it's, um, it's going to be exciting coming up for the next couple of years. You know, to the next five years or so, I think we're in for some really, really good treats from the gaming world with the initiative, with Bethesda, with, you know, Bioware and, and their games and, and so on. So we'll... Uh, yeah. Could be could be Keep good after the shit show of twenty twenty. We may yes. start having some Let's good have years coming. Reco- reconnaissance, a renaissance <laughs> of video games, please, <laughs> please, God. Right before we move on to the main event, there's some things that I just wanted to quickly uh, mention and go through before anything along these lines, and they're all to do with um video games that are still in development and my favorite ones that i don't mention you know all the time on these podcasts i promise uh but actually i'm gonna start with one that i haven't mentioned for a little while and that is dead matter so um dead matter they recently didn't it um they they sent out a blog post which will hopefully follow an update soon but there's a lot that's going on within their studio so of course you know the whole rona situation has fucked them over massively um, but they've managed to acquire themselves an actual office space where they're going to be able to go and actually, you know, collaborate together properly. And, and the productivity line is just going to be so much bigger. And they're in certain rural areas of Canada where, you know, they're, these areas are actually based. It's areas that the game are actually based on. So from a artist's perspective, they're going to be able to get better shots of the real world and, and be able to actually create the dead matter world based on real life Canada and locations within real life Canada. So the fact that they've got all of that going on is brilliant and it's only going to do great, great things for the game. Um, there's also been a major overhaul of the zombie movement and stuff like that. They become a lot more deadly because what was happening was, and Daisy was played with this for a little while, a zombie will stand chase still you. To attack you. Yeah. And they stand still to attack. Now they lunge and they continue yeah. sprinting at you and they run at you and they're much more of a threat. Um, and right now, if you go onto their website or watch the blog, bro- the blog, I can't talk. The blog <laughs> <Broncos>. post. Uh, <laughs> okay. the, the actual gameplay is there, and you see the zombie kind of just relentlessly chasing and chasing and chasing. And they've also managed to change the spawn of zombies, and they've got it in a big grid system, and all of that. Uh, the thing that, and the main reason that I'm mentioning this is that they said themselves that they haven't been focusing on patches because they've been trying to fix a lot of issues in the game before they can release the kind of the next patch and a lot of issues that the people that are playing it are having. And there's going to be a massive update in January followed by a massive Ooh. update in February. Um, don't know when, but that's what they've said on their post. And I don't think we'll get all of that information. But if you guys are interested in you know, how the game's progressing or anything like that, or more information across those blog posts. Mr. Atomic Duck is a fantastic source. He has been given exclusive rights to cover blog posts for Dead Matter. So if you just want the TLDR of it all, then go and watch some of his videos. And um, and yeah, that that's where that great source of information is coming from. Moving on to my favourite game to talk about ever, Star Citizen. Yay! Oh, here we go. Oh, oh, Star Citizen, never heard of it before. Star Citizen. So the next patch is li- days away now. It's literally days away. There are some fantastic things coming in, like the tractor beam. for uh, It's like a handheld tractor beam. I can't wait for that. That's going to be so much fun. It's going to do the big suck. It's going to do the big suck. <laughs> So uh, instead of having to go up to stuff and just pick it up with your hands, you can now use the tractor beam to pick it up. And also, if you're um, using That's the tractor interacting beam... interacting with the world is so poor. Say that again. Is that because interacting with the world is so poor? No, because it's the future, and you'd expect to have a, have a tractor beam. <laughs> the future is now, old man! The knob lord. <laughs> no, you. Uh, what you can also do is, in zero gravity, you can use the tractor beam attachment to actually pull yourself to something, so you can travel faster in That's zero G. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. It's, it's going to be fucking awesome. There's, um, there's a video... You could have used that when he got thrown out of the ship by Leech. Yeah, he could have. <laughs> So that's going to be really fun. And that there was an Inside Star Citizen that actually showed that 
mechanic being used uh, where this guy was going around a space station that was in zero G and he was just zipping around it and he was calling it the Spider-Man tool and stuff. And it was, that was really cool. So it's, it's going to be interesting kind of what they do. There's some big changes that are going to be happening as well in terms of the gameplay at this stage. So uh, when you claim a ship with an insurance, the time for a lot of ships is drastically increasing and the cost is also drastically increasing. This is to combat people going, well, the cost for it is 2,000 AUEC to, you know, um, just get the ship back quickly. But my refuel and repair cost is 3,000, so I'm just going to self-destruct and wait for five minutes. Now you've got ships like the 890 Jump is probably the best example of this. That was set at, I think, 55 minutes. And then... X what? That's just like you leave it. If you expedited it, it would take like 15, 20 minutes, I think, was what it was. I'm not sure you Let alone quite me on that. That is. And the cost was like four, 5,000 AUEC. Now, the ship is probably going to take about two and a half hours and cost 40,000 to expedite. That I know 40,000 is the correct amount, but I don't know the times exactly. And I think it's about an hour for it to come back after you've expedited so i mean these this is the biggest ships the the good thing is that the starter ships have actually reduced in time and reduced in cost so it gets people with starter ships out and flying faster but it's stopping people with larger ships just saying i'm just going to self-destruct because it costs me nothing there's like next to no consequence and that's what they're bringing into it is further consequences the problem with this and what a lot of the community is saying at this stage is that's brilliant that's something that the game definitely needs. Not now, worse as 101 different issues. 30k yeah. means that your ship is gone, and then that's it, you're fucked. So if you're doing like mining runs or you're doing um, trading runs or anything along those lines, you're going to get punished for the server crashing. And that's a problem because the server crashes happen too much. And that's what a lot yeah. of the community are saying. They are going to need to fix stability if they're going to go down that road. And and that's the thing. They're, they're starting to go down that road now. And it might just be a case of we just we do it. People are unhappy for two weeks. Everyone kind of doesn't care from that point on. But that's the kind of consensus at the moment. The, the good thing is, as well, pushing that to one side, this update is going to be huge. They're adding clouds, so space clouds. Can't wait for some space clouds. They're going to be really awesome. And it really gives a, an awesome lighting effect when you're coming up to certain space stations and so on. So I'm looking forward to that. And refineries. So the minerals that you mine, you can now go to a refinery deck, select a job, refine the materials. Um, that will then refine over time. Then you can go back, collect it, and sell that for more profit. So it's adding an extra gameplay loop onto the mining aspect of the game and kind of mixing both mining and trading together um which is really 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 great so there's so many exciting things happening on that front and it's super exciting to kind of get involved in that and be able to play it i'm i'm excited i can't wait <laughs> you are the excitement <laughs> I, I, i'm the completely the excitement um and then I don't think there's any other games really that I'm playing at the moment that have anything huge happening. Uh, Squad is coming into 2.0 very soon, which is going to be updating the British Armed Forces, which is fantastic. That's going to be a good one. It's going to be really good. They're also updating, um, I think it's the Middle Eastern Alliance. No, it's not. It's um, the Insurgents Forces. Insurgents are going to be OP. They're going to be like OP. They're, they're looking forward to that one. Uh, and that's that's still in kind of the, the persistent testing section anyway. So that's still probably a couple of weeks after Christmas off. Um, and that was it. They're, they're all kind of the smaller updates that I wanted to get to you before we got into the... The big cheese. Um, yeah, the meat. The meat. And, and too much. the meat, of course, is Cyberpunk 2077. Now... I know that we've all played it. Leech, I know that you've uh, you've only had a couple of hours in, but you've still had more than enough experience to be able to, you know, discuss your sort of your experience with it. I know we've got Adam yeah. in chat as well, who has thrown in probably 70, 75 hours into the game already since release. So fair play. I tip my hat to you, Adam. That's that's a crazy amount of hours. So 
And you've done all of that on PlayStation 5, I believe. So you've had uh, console experience as well. Um, but the reception of Cyberpunk 2077 was not very positive. It's a mixed kind of words. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not... It, it, well, we're definitely going to get into this um, for sure, but I just want to talk about the review bombings of it. I mean, 72 hours now, there you go. Adam's just popped in there. But yeah, the, the game got heavily, heavily review bombed. Like, just straight up, just absolutely carpet bombed from reviewers. And I think... I... I'm on I'm on the fence with this because I think it does warrant some of the um like bad publicity that it's had but at the same time it doesn't warrant all of it in any way shape or form and I think some people have been really over exaggerating a lot of a lot of problems with it and I think the the best takeaway from this section of this podcast is for the for fuck's sake don't sit there complain threaten uh to kill devs and stuff like that for a game not being released and then when it's released and it's not quite finished or it's buggy then have a go at them for that there was huge amounts of pressure from the community and there was huge amounts of pressure from their board of like directors and and um people who bought into it and investors and everything like that there was massive amounts of pressure for them to push the game out in its current state and that's why they we understand massively why they delayed it so many times could you imagine if they released this back in april oh jesus christ i don't don't get me wrong the game has got bugs it's got issues and all of that stuff but there is no way that that detracts from a fantastic way of telling a story a completely stunning visual party it's brilliant it looks amazing and just what they've done with characters in the game and your character yourself, V, is absolutely revolutionary. It's fucking fantastic in every way, shape, or form. The only issue with it are bugs and oh, yeah. visual glitches. That's it. And the fact that people are getting really, really angry at it is just mind-boggling. Why? People wanted a fantastic like experience in a futuristic world where your choices do actually matter because i mean they do and you'll only ever experience that properly when you play it more than once but people have been sat there crying was like well i felt like my decisions didn't make a difference well yeah that's because you're halfway through your first character you muppet like this game has got so many different ways of playing it i mean just when you talk to friends uh nikki had a completely different experience to a mission that me and rooster had a similar experience to a mission for to you know eventually in the next act get the best weapon ever but we're not going to leave any spoilers um but all of that changed just because of a different dialogue option and the way yeah. that dialogue progressed the in whole one quest scene, the just, whole yeah, quest turned out changed completely different because of one choice yep we made and that happens quite a lot through the game there's there's so many different things so many different choices that you can make that will make the game itself kind of play out and how people across the story perceive you but people are going in hard on it i think just to get attention because that's it and yeah it is a mess and yes it crashes and yes there are bugs but do you know what? they're going to get fixed and that is not a problem but you cannot sit there complain that it's being delayed threaten the that you're going to kill the dev because oh, that's yeah. disgusting. Well, someone, someone threatened to burn his house with him and his yep. family in it. And, and then sit there and cry bitch and moan because the game is unfinished. Yeah. Like it, Ima Imagine literally messaging a dev, not, not like the head of the team, a random developer saying, I know where you live, release the game now, I'm going to burn you and your family. Yeah. And then bitching because the game was released buggy. I mean, it's just, it's just not like, right, ugh. and it's it is absolutely disgusting. And you know, people are sitting there saying, "Oh, well, they could have sent it out in early access. They could have done this. They could have done that. They could have done this and that and that and this and this and that." And it's just, just piss off. <laughs> like, I I think we're now at a point in game development where 
we are trying so many different things and we're moving with a really fast kind of moving feast of technology and advancements that not only is it difficult to try and you know continue staying with this moving feast but you're you've got to have equipment and the consumer has to have equipment that follows suit and it's not cheap it's very very expensive if if you've got a top end pc and i'm talking like the top tippity top of specs you've probably been absolutely fine with your pc experience of cyberpunk my pc is it's a it's a half decent pc you know i've had a fantastic experience with it yeah i've experienced crashes and when i stream it yeah there are issues and that's because i'm using more resources but going going back to like the xbox the original xbox and the original playstation 4 and people are really pissed off and unhappy about that like yeah i kind of get it because it was marketed for that but you've got to remember that technology has advanced so far ahead of the original xbox and the original playstation 4 that really you just need to take that kind of into consideration that as the industry moves forward and technology advances faster within the gaming world Games are going to become more complicated. They're going to take longer to make. And if they don't take longer to make, they're going to come out like complete fucking messes and or just derivative bullshit. I'm talking about you, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. <laughs> but anyway, before I start, you know, really shaking a stick at stuff. Um, for me, this game in its current state, I would sit here and happily give it a seven or eight out of ten. Because it's been so damn enjoyable. Cyberpunk 2077 is a fantastic game. Yeah. And give it six months and I'm pretty sure it'll be I sitting there at the, 10 out of 10. But the, the funny thing is, is how many people keep comparing it to The Witcher 3. Yeah. And uh, I would like to offer everybody who wants to do that to go ahead and look at uh, Witcher 3's um, release. Because you know what Google was full of when with Witcher 3 released? What the fuck is this buggy piece of mess? Yep. What have we had? This game is trash. Oh my god, nothing like what they promised. This game is riddled with bugs. This game is literally unplayable. Now it is regarded as one of the best RPGs ever made. Yep. Like I'm not I'm not saying it's acceptable to release a buggy piece of shit. Like really like there's always gonna be bugs, but granted, the state of the game on consoles is unacceptable. Yeah. Um like it really should be better, but people are basically writing off CD Projekt Red like they can never fix the game and saying, "Oh my God, they've taken such a backstep from The Witcher Three, completely uh, acting like The Witcher Three released perfectly, and it didn't. The Witcher Three was full of bugs. The Witcher Three had like really, really bad bugs on its release that were patched. So if they could do it with The Witcher Three. They can do it with Cyberpunk. Oh, easily. Uh, and I think I think the best way that they should have gone about it in, in my eyes and a lot of other people's eyes is go down the early access route for sure because, um, you know, I, I, I'm getting more and more like early access is becoming the new norm and it's kind of like this unspoken safety net because a lot of, a lot of development teams are using it to do the bug testing. And that's the thing that early access gives you access to do. It tells people, look, the game is not finished. It's not in the state that we want, um, but we're letting you guys have it so that you can test it and then we can make it better when it properly releases and stuff. And stuff like Baldur's Gate 3 has done a fantastic job of that. Here's a third of the game, but you're going to get 40 hours out of it. It's going to be buggy. And, you know, we're going to continue adding content to it. And over the next year, it's going to look even better and better and, and it's going to be incredible and, and this is what we're going to do. And you'll join us along that journey and, you know, it scratches the itch of the people that want to play it at that exact time. And it has the net of early access over it to say... Yeah, it, it gives, not it gives people who don't enjoy a game in that state the option to just hold out and yes. wait. Whereas releasing a game at full release implies the game is done my my main issue like i'm all for early access i don't like early access being used as a scapegoat i don't like people releasing absolutely trash with the excuse yeah but it's early access so whatever like early access needs to be done right otherwise it shouldn't be done but likewise 
people shouldn't be uh, people shouldn't be releasing what is basically early access and calling it a full release and then basically being like yeah it's fine we'll fix it with we'll fix it with patches later it's like then your game is early access yeah you're just not calling it that if you're releasing a game you have every intention of fixing your game is early access and that, um, that's definitely the route that they should have taken. And, and yes. I agree I, with you. Cyberpunk is an early access game that has not got the early access tag. <laughs> yeah, basically. Pretty much. And and um, you know, and it's they said that the multiplayer element of it is going to be months down the line as well. I mean, yeah, multiplayer is coming next year, and it's a completely standalone project. Yeah. So so coupling it by saying it would be early access now until multiplayer would be a really good way of doing that. Um, and but they dumb and they didn't yeah they they, they didn't do that unfortunately and um you know uh, uh, in its current state it's it's brilliant it, it really is a great 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 game but having an early access tag there would have been a much much better thing to do because it allows the community to then start reporting issues crashes bugs and they can start fixing that early and i think more and more games should go down that route yeah a reported bug will get fixed yes. a cried about bug won't and like if you're it. not going to report a bug to see project red but then you're going to cry on youtube about it and they've got to fix it because they've seen your cry on youtube video with 200 views <laughs> like i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> you, you need you need to make it more like you need to report the bug not cry yes. on youtube to your 35 subscribers about how much of a buggy mess it is i feel like this and is a personal keep dig crying. Me. oh no because you haven't cried about it <laughs> and i've only got i've i've only got 34 subscribers so shut up <laughs> <laughs> but uh like yeah it's just it's the ridiculous people that can go to youtube and still draw attention to the developers are the big youtubers yeah that's but, it yeah, like, like there's there are bugs, and I'm not excusing the bugs. I've personally, touch wood, had an incredibly lucky and good experience. I've had virtually no issues. My game crashed once when I was loading it and I walked away. And I mean, that was the only crash I've had at all. I've had some visual bugs, like Jackie eating some noodles, and he has a set of noodles in his hand that are going up and down to his mouth. But also a stationary set of noodle uh, of um, not noodles, chopsticks yeah, that have yeah, just like stayed there frozen. I'm yeah. pretty sure that was a common one. But like I've had a few things like that. I walked into a club and there was this woman standing at a balcony, looking uh, like sort of looking over the dance floor, and she was t posing, clearly asserting her dominance over the whole club. <laughs> and I think she did it because I walked in and I was like, I ain't fucking with you. Um, but like th- that's all I've had. So obviously my views on the game are very untainted like yeah my frame rates haven't been great i don't like i don't like to have to play below 60 but i'm commonly hitting 50 to 55 fps if i go into a building it tends to go up to over 60 but out in the open world it's like 50 fps which isn't ideal but it's playable i'm not gonna write again the game off completely because i'm getting 50 fps um but I do know some people have had virtually an unplayable experience. Yeah, that there, there, there are the people consoles. out there. And it is primarily the, the old-gen consoles. People with, like, One Xs and uh, PS4 uh, I just want to say one thing to you, uh, console cucks. Um, PC has had bad ports of console games for years. Yeah, exactly. You got one bad port of a PC game. Get off game. your high Fuck horse. You. <laughs> Fuck you, console cucks. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but that, it's, like, yeah. it's like the first time a, a game has has released on pc good and console bad yeah. fuck you deal with it for once it's about time it's about time and how about when when a game finally gets released two years onto the consoles after it's been on pc for two years don't even at me <laughs> yeah i'm not having it <laughs> we've de- we've dealt with this market tailoring to consoles for too long viva la revolution <laughs> <laughs> precisely uh, but no seriously though guys like uh i don't i don't think it warrants the hate that it's had it's yeah it's buggy and yeah it warrants attention attention, but the fact that the game is to a point where the story is absolutely fantastic the storytelling elements are 
out of this world and the gameplay is fun intuitive mind-blowing and can just you can just switch it up and change it up however you see fit it's up there as one of the better role-playing games for sure i do have some personal story issues with it which i'm going to explain quickly now as we've hit the hour mark um I was super, super excited about the backgrounds. And there are three main backgrounds. There's the Nomad, there's the Street Kid, and then there's the Corpo. And I was so excited because they released the first sort of 17 minutes of each of them. Uh, well, like this was back in, I think, March or something. Um, it was a while ago. So I was getting really excited that it was going to be like the first actual 17 minutes. And then you go in and, and um, that kind of end section was like a trailer. And you get to meet like you know, all the characters with Jackie and you're wandering around with Jackie. And I was very, very upset when that, what I thought was going to be a trailer played in the game. Um, I was not happy because I felt like they they had this huge sort of push it on felt, backgrounds. It felt like they built up these backstories, uh, these backgrounds, and they showed us what we thought was some of the backstories yeah. when they showed us these things. And then it turned out that no, the three backstory gameplay things they did was the entire backstories. Yeah. Which it felt like there could have been more to the to the backgrounds. There should have been, in my opinion. And I, there's been a lot of people out there saying that um, it seems as if the Street Kids background was the canonical background for the game, purely because of the way that V interacts with people post the backstory sort of gameplay. Um, yeah. And like so, like the and I know this will be very difficult to do because you're you're talking about doing the whole game based on those three backgrounds. But like Corpo V is supposed to be somebody who is a really corporate person, and they've been in that kind of corporate world for such a long time. Six months would not change you that much, um, yeah. No matter how you much you're doing, you don't feel corporate anymore. No, and you just feel like a completely like your background mattered in no way, shape, or form. And I completely get that. Yeah. And I, was I, I think they dropped the it. ball. I think they dropped the ball on the the backstories yeah. thing. The the Same. when you get past that and you get into the the main story of the mm. game. Like and the ball gets rolling, it is a fantastic story, but it really feels like they could have gone bigger, they could have gone better with the backstories, and they really hyped them up a bit more than they were. Yeah, for sure. And so I was definitely disappointed in that front, Um, but despite that, once I got over it, because my first playthrough, I was like, ah, I'm getting really sorry. I don't know, my nomad is not really in that... Um, when I played it the second time through and just didn't really care about it all that much, I'm having a much better experience than what I did. Yeah, it's like it's it's a complaint, but it's such a minor thing. Yeah, that it, if it that's really affecting is. your enjoyment of the game, then you probably shouldn't have bought it anyways. Exactly. Like, that. If, if something as small as that can hinder your ability to play the whole game, then games are not for you. It's very true. It's, I, I it's was... like it's like being a movie person and a movie that is like perfection but the first 10 minutes of the movie are bad and everybody says that but because those first 10 minutes are bad you hate the movie you shouldn't be watching movies (laughs) like it's the same kind of thing it's the it's the gaming equivalent i feel not all game intros are fantastic some games have incredibly boring intros but when you really get into them they are fantastic games yes and and that's exactly what this is despite that bit and you know there are some really awesome dialogue options that happen because of your background but um despite that once you're you the game is set in night city and you are experiencing a new kind of night city regardless of whereabouts you're at yeah and what background you choose you know you're always going into that you know i just thought of a perfect example can you imagine someone telling you they hate skyrim for one sole reason because the carriage ride at the beginning is just too annoying. Yeah, that's pretty like, much. Like, yeah. Everybody hates that carriage ride. The first time you play it, it's kind of interesting. Every other time you ever play it, nine nine times out of ten, like people mod the alternate start, um, use the mod alternate starts, so they don't have to deal with the carriage ride. Yeah. But can you imagine someone genuinely disliking the game and not playing it solely because of the carriage ride? That would be ridiculous. That's- 
that's what it feels like if your opinions on the backstories completely hinder your opinion of yeah. Cyberpunk. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Completely agree. And let's say that we've all seen that pissing carriage ride opening scene probably <laughs> at least 10 times. I brought it into a D&D session. I know you did. I love that story so <laughs> And I much. am so proud of it. Because <laughs> they did not see it coming. Uh, I had Lychee here carriage. wake up. I had Lychee here uh, appear to wake up in the back of his carriage and it was the Skyrim opening and then he woke up from a nightmare and it, screaming, no, Todd, no. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, right, is there anything else that you guys wanted to talk about um, regarding cyberpunk in any way? No, I don't, I don't think not really. No. Okay. No. Well, I think then, guys, that's it. Um, you know, I think the key points to go from here is we're excited because of the Game Awards stuff. The initiative has taken the initiative and it's absolutely brilliant and we're loving it. Uh, Mass Effect, yes, please. Let's go back to Shep in the real world. Fuck you, Andromeda. And uh, Cyberpunk, <laughs> yes, it is a buggy mess, but fuck me, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... And that's it. That about, that about sums it up. Why yeah. do we even this podcast? Why didn't you just put out a 16-second video? I should have just tweeted. Yeah. I should have just tweeted. Just... <laughs> you should have just tweeted that because that just summed up basically the whole fucking podcast. Pretty much. But Who the fuck <laughs> listens to us for an hour to get that amount I of don't information? Know. I, I, maybe I should edit it and put that at the start. <laughs> Just... I mean, yeah, you need to start summarizing every podcast, and that needs to be the intro to the podcast. <laughs> uh, oh, and, and 101 updates coming out for 30 million different games. And there we go. That's it. Summarized in all of 20 seconds. But yes, guys, yeah. we're going to end it there. Thank you so much for watching. Um, this will be up soon up on YouTube um, and also in the usual places where the podcast can be found, such as Spotify. So, by all means, please go rewatch it there. Listen to it if you're out and about, which you shouldn't be because, you know, COVID, naughty, naughty, green person. Um, and then all in all, thanks, everybody, for watching for now. I will bid you all good night. Goodbye, everyone. See ya.